Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I can honestly say this, Dan. The four years that I had Ram in our program <clears throat> as a, as a uh, high school player were probably the four favorite years that I've ever had because it's not very often you get to go to work and be side-by-side side with your, your son. That was longtime Mark Morris head coach Bill Bacamus. And that son he mentioned, that's former Mark Morris standout, Gonzaga walk-on, Ram Bacamus. The father-son duo are today's guests. Welcome to Dan Dickow's Quarantine Series on the Scorebook Life Today podcast. As the world, particularly the world of sports, is shut down due to the coronavirus, we're ramping things up a notch here at Scorebook Live. Every weekday, Dan interviews an expert in the world of sports, from star hoopers and coaches like Steve Kerr, Jamal Crawford, and Doug Christie, to seven-time Mr. Olympia bodybuilder Phil Heath. We hope you're entertained and maybe learn a thing or two as we navigate these uncertain times. The easiest way to tune in is by subscribing. In addition to our weekly Washington High School Sports News and Conversation podcast released Thursdays, hosted by myself, Andy Bueller, fellow reporter Todd Millis, Dan is bringing you interviews just like this one, delivered five days a week. Head to wherever you get your podcast, subscribe for free, and while you're there, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. Before we get to Dan's interview today, a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Washington Federal. Washington Federal is a local bank and portfolio lender with more than 200 branches across eight states, more than 32,000 fee-free ATMs, 24-7 online and mobile banking with drive-up ATMs. And Washington Federal is a proud sponsor of Scorebook Live. They care deeply about high school sports and the communities that support them across the entire state of Washington. Head to WFDBank.com to learn how they can help you meet your financial goals. That's WAFDBank.com. Washington Federal, a neighbor you can count on. We hope everybody's staying safe and healthy. We're just as excited for high school sports to return as you are. Now, Dan Dickow. Dan Dickow, Scorebook Live today with our podcast during our quarantine series. Uh, where we pick it up a notch. Typically, we're once a week with a podcast uh, during these uncertain times throughout our nation and the world. Increased to releasing an interview daily with an expert in the sports world, whether it's an athlete, a coach, broadcaster. This time, we've got a, a unique double guest uh, episode, and that is a father-son duo. If you're a basketball member in the state of Washington, uh, you know this family well, uh, Southwest Washington legends. We'll start with Bill Bacamus, who is a Wibka Hall of Fame coach, top five all-time in the state for wins on the boys' side, and also his son Rem um, was a tremendous high school player. Uh, he was at Gonzaga during their Final Four run a few years back, and now he's carving his own path in the coaching world. So, 
Bill, Rem, thank you guys both for joining. Good to be here. Happy to be here for sure. <laughs> well, hopefully I didn't shortchange either one of you on that introduction. I, I, I'm sure um, if I would have asked Rem, he would have given me a lot more accolades to tell <laughs> about his dad, Bill, um, to, for that intro. But I, I want to start with asking Rem, what was it like growing up having your dad as the basketball coach of the high school that you knew you were going to go to uh, as you were growing up and then ultimately playing for him in high school? So uh, for me, uh, having my dad be the coach um, at the high school was a unique experience. A lot of my friends had their dads coaching youth sports, but he, you know, was busy with his high school stuff. So he'd come to practices and games and uh, help out. Everybody wanted to listen to him knowing he was the varsity coach, but it was a it was a great experience for me. And then once we got you know to high schools, it became even more important to me to uh, help his teams and kind of be a leader and do all those little things because I never wanted to lose games and go home and eat dinner um, with the losing coach. So <laughs> <laughs> would uh, would you have had to go ask mom for for some help uh, to to deal with? the ups and downs at dinner time, if it was a rough practice or coming off of a difficult game? Yeah, I think she would have liked us to keep uh, the basketball talk at the gym, but it just never was going to be that way, you know. Uh, whether we were watching a game or he was watching film or just sitting at dinner, something would always come up. So we, you know, it was nice and I had the luxury of getting to talk hoops with the head coach whenever I wanted, but with that comes a little bit of crit criticism, as you probably would imagine. Bill, I know we've talked uh, in the past about your high school coaching experience and the success that you've had, but as I've kind of talked to more coaches and players um, about watching their sons at different points in their careers, at, at times that they're, they weren't coaching them, you would be growing up watching Rem play youth basketball AAU and you wouldn't be coaching him, but you had – more knowledge or more uh, expertise in the game than the current coach would, what would your experience or advice be to parents just to let the coach coach? <laughs> Boy, that's a hot topic. <laughs> you know, I just think just be a parent and just support the kids. You don't have to get so entrenched in, you know, what the strategies are or what each player should be doing or, or what their rules are. I mean, obviously when they're young, they need to develop a good baseline of fundamentals. And as long as the coach is, you know, teaching those fundamentals to them, they'll grow as a player later on. But I think what happens too many times, you know, this is a passionate society that we live in and their passion gets uh, exhibited, you know, in, in hot games or uh, in tough competition. And, yeah, so I guess my advice would be just be a parent and support not just your own kids, support everybody. Um, you know, there's nothing worse than having a young coach try to put the time in and do their very best. And, you know, they have the kids' best uh, thoughts in mind and then have parents just, you know, avalanche them with what they think or, you know, what strategies they should run. It's really a downer for a young coach. And I know the coaches that work for me, I, I warn them against that, that they have to have thick skin because it's just a society that we live in now. You fast forward a few more years uh, through the high school experience of coaching your own son. Is there any particular memory that you have, good or bad, coaching your son, Rem? 
you know, I could honestly say this, Dan, the four years that I had Rem in our program <clears throat> as a, as a uh, high school player were probably the four favorite years that I've ever had because it's not very often you get to go to work and be side by side with your, your son. Um, there's, there's always, you know, I look back on games that we coulda, woulda, shoulda, some things that he could have done a little better, but um, I don't have any one particular thing. I just know that when we played our crosstown rival, R.A. Long, I didn't really have to say much to him about, you know, how ramped up the game was, and he seemed to always perform well in those games. Uh, I wasn't real appreciative that he got a technical foul in one of them. But, um, <laughs> he, he followed it up with – we both got technicals yeah, back to back, actually. Yeah, we, we had two technicals in point – five seconds so he got his and I just I defended him you know Papa Bear had to defend him so um, that kind of that game kind of stood out a little bit I, I love hearing uh, the fact that Rem got one and automatically you got one right there you couldn't let your son one up you uh, during the course of that game I love that uh, Rem I want to go back to your playing career in high school um, you, you played for your dad you guys had a tremendous amount of success what was what was your career path like in figuring out if you wanted to play in college and then how you went about it, knowing that um, you weren't playing on a powerhouse AAU program, uh, you were a good enough player, you just had to f pick and choose the right level for you individually, uh, and then knowing that you had your dad had a network of coaches because you guys have both been in the game for so long, how did that decision come about? Yeah, that decision uh, I think is hard for every high school student, um, whether you're just going to school or you're deciding to play a sport. But, um, you know, throughout my high school career, I was real small coming in uh, my freshman year. And sophomore year, I, I grew a few inches. And, you know, I was having a great JV campaign, but my dad just wouldn't swing me permanently on varsity. So that used to just drive me nuts. So. I see on the cake my sophomore year was I got to suit up at state tournament um, tournament it ha that has, you know, the majority of my best basketball memories. Um, and then, you know, finally when the keys were handed to me junior year, we actually missed state tournament for the first time. And I think it was like 15 or 16 years. So, uh, you know, I took a lot of blame with that. Um, and then senior year we got back to, the 16, which is, you know, technically state, but the format back then was a little different. Um, and then, you know, deciding I wanted to play college basketball, I knew I wanted to do that, but it was about finding the right fit and the right program. And, uh, you know, I had a, a great relationship with Coach Lunt, who was at UPS at the time. And, you know, I weighed my options with that or maybe junior college. And then, you know, it wasn't a very tough decision when I got the phone call from Tommy Lloyd uh, that spring my senior year kind of telling me their numbers were down and I'd have a, a chance to come uh, you know compete for a spot at Gonzaga that summer and you know I'll just tell anybody who's in my shoes that uh, you're gonna miss playing if you choose to go the route I did but the experiences uh, the relationships the memories for me they outweighed uh, you know playing in games um, you just kind of find different ways to be competitive in practice and all that but worked out great for me. 
it worked out great for sure. You, you became a part of some, some really great Gonzaga teams. I mentioned earlier you were on a group that went to the Final Four. Uh, Bill, as a, as a coach who's had a tremendous amount of success, were there in ever any games that you were watching Gonzaga during those years, questioning what Coach Few was doing on the sidelines and what you would do differently? Well, only that I thought that Rim should probably play more. I mean, that's only natural putting on my parent hat. <laughs> um, no, you know, I just, I just marvel at what they do there. It is, uh, it's just a machine. And, you know, from Coach Few to Coach Lloyd to Coach Michelson and some of the, you know, past coaches that they've had, um, they all have their little niche and what they provide, you know, for the program. And I just, they're so efficient. That's probably the best way to describe it. They're just efficient. They're efficient on offense. They're efficient on defense. So um, there's no second guessing coming from Coach Bacchimus. I'm just, when I watch those games, I try to watch them as a fan first and, you know, feel good about just watching the excitement of the game. And then maybe a little bit later, uh, look at it from a strategic standpoint. Obviously, then you look at it from a strategic standpoint and figure out things maybe you can impart upon your program or maybe something that you see that your guys could develop skill-wise. Is there other, are there other coaches at the college level that you really kind of sit back and enjoy watching them work, whether it's at practice or you're at a game or on TV? There are. Um, you know, going back to your original comment, I, I remember when uh, – Coach Lloyd, I was at his house, and he was talking about this whole on-ball offense. And I was like, you know, yeah, this is pretty interesting. And he was going through it. He was – this was years ago. I mean, this was way back. And to watch him implement that uh, has been somewhat a thing of beauty. Uh, getting to watch – I went to uh, the Greek Islands with uh, he and Chanel and my wife. And I got to watch that in action, too, because the European game, I think the thing that Coach Lloyd has done is implement, implement that into their system. And, again, they're, they were way ahead of the curve. Um, as far as other coaches go, you know, I, I do my reading and, and watch videos like anybody else. I've always liked uh, Coach Calipari. Um, I, I dislike how he operates. Uh, I've always been a, a Coach Wooden fan. Obviously, some of the things that he's written, I didn't get to, you know, get – involved in watching a lot of their games I remember watching them on TV when I was young uh, I like coach Patino um, I like what they're doing at Baylor so I, I'm just kind of one of those guys that looks around and says boy uh, that's that's impressive and you know all the I certainly know all the hard work and <laughs> you know uh, blood sweat and tears that they put into their programs but those are just a few that come to mind yeah some great names for sure Rem, I want to go back and, and talk about the, the Final Four team that you were a part of. Um, you didn't play a lot of minutes, but you were a very integral part of that team. I, I was at a number of practices that year. I called some of the games broadcasting. Um, but you were kind of, uh, as mentioned, an, an integral part. And in, what would your advice be to a young player that maybe isn't getting uh, the playing time that either – they're good enough to get, or maybe it's just they're in a situation that they're not going to play a lot of minutes, but still buying into team concepts, supporting guys, and, and kind of being, you know, a productive member of a team. Right. Uh, you know, it's just – it's a team game, and there's so many ways you can help your team win or um, prepare for games, things like that. So, for me, 
I just wanted to help in every way possible outside of playing the minutes because I knew that really wasn't going to be my role after a few years there. So, um, you know, whether it was talking to a guy in a huddle, um, telling him, you know, keep your head up or calming somebody down who got subbed out, um, you know, when you play with teams that are so deep like we had, you know, you got like Rui and, and uh, Snacks, Norvell, they didn't even play and, you know, they NBA guys now. So just helping the younger guys as well, uh, bringing them along trying to kind of be a voice. Uh, you know, I've been there such a long time and I really loved when we'd have recruiting visits because I knew how important it was to the staff and our team's future to, to uh, bringing good players, you know? So I loved helping uh, anytime there was a recruit. I always wanted to be a part of that kind of just giving them the, the zag spiel and, and, you know, they recruit a special type of player there who's always willing to, give up personal accolades and stats for the good of the team. So uh, just kind of be that type of voice in, in, in those type of instances and just give your best effort in everything you do, uh, you know, whatever job you're doing or, uh, you know, in life, whatever. If you're not giving your best effort, you're shorting yourself and the people around you. So I just try to help out every possible way I could. You mentioned give your best effort, um, and that's something that, that I think is absolutely true of you. Uh, I hear the stories you talk about being a part of the team and helping on the recruiting visits. Uh, I can only imagine that planted a little bit of a seed that you wanted to get into college coaching. Obviously you had, you know, the influence of your dad, Bill, um, of teaching you the game at the high school level and the coaching piece. You get on college campus and you start kind of seeing the college recruiting aspect when you're hosting recruits. But when you were done, you took a step away and you actually worked with us at Scorebook Live and you gave a great effort. Um, you did a phenomenal job with us, but then you took a step back towards the game. You spent the last two years at Baylor. How difficult was that decision or maybe how easy was that decision? And what does the future look like for you on the coaching side? Yeah. So, uh, you know, that year, uh, plus at scorebook lab was a great year for me. Um, you know, one of the, the best offices and, and group of guys I could ever ask for to start my my uh, career outside of college but uh, you know ultimately it came down to how much I love basketball and being a part of it uh, just kind of ha more hands-on and spending time with my dad that year you know you guys were very flexible allowing me to come help him in practice and go to his games and I just had that itch um, and I kind of wanted it to be something where I give it my all and if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but you know two years into it from Baylor I know it's what I want to do. I have a passion for it. I enjoy it every day. It never feels like work uh, to me. So, you know, I, I learned a lot being at Baylor these last two years. Um, I'm walking away with my master's uh, here pretty soon and some great experiences uh, from, from Waco as well. So, you know, the coaching path, there's no blueprint or right way to do it. But as uh, Coach Lloyd always says, you know, the guys who really make it are the ones who won't quit. Um, so. You know, I'm, I'm locked into it. I know it's what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life, and I'm really excited to see kind of where I end up in, the, in this next uh, few months. That's awesome. Bill, how proud are you of the fact that he's following in, in similar footsteps to you of being a basketball coach and loving the game and wanting to impact young kids in the game? Well, I'm super proud of him. Uh, both as a as a parent and as a uh, you know my coaching profession and I think probably the thing I admire most is that 
he's pretty passionate about what he does. Um, and I, I think that the time and effort that he puts into the game is absolutely remarkable, both as an ex-player and now as a coach. And he's way above my uh, pay grade as far as intelligence of what's going on, or, or so he says so. But, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm super excited. Um, you know, I'm excited to see where he ends up as a coach. And he knows he's going to have quite a few trials and tribulations. You just don't, you know, zoom right to the top. But he, I know he's willing to do about anything. Um, and, and probably his loyalty and his enthusiasm for the game is going to be a pretty good asset to wherever he lands. A lot of people go into family business. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, having him hang around here is a little bit different. I have to eating me out of house and home. I, my every bill has gone up immensely. So, um, but I love him to death. It's just, you know, we just need to get him a, that first coaching job. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. There's always a big adjustment of uh, going from uh, kind of an entry level into the next realm of having a full on you know, paying coaching position, um, even though a GA that most people wouldn't realize or understand a grad assistance job never ends. Um, what was mm -hmm. the biggest learning curve for you this, this, these last two years, Rem, of jumping full on into the coaching world? Yeah, I just, uh, you know, from a player's perspective, you don't know how hard the coaches are working and preparing and you know, setting up academic meetings and all that stuff. So just being in an office every day and seeing firsthand daily what it takes to be a college coach. Uh, I think Coach Bankhead said it best where you're really only coaching around 10%. There's so many different hats you have to put on with it, whether it's recruiting, academics, you know, player development. And, you know, as a GA, I kind of just had to find my niche doing, uh, doing things on the court with the players because, you know, there's certain – limitations to hours with coaches so I just wanted to be the guy who was always in the gym rebounding helping the players and uh, if I wasn't in the gym I wanted to be in the office cutting film or learning from film or picking one of the coaches brains so you know two years flew by but um, you know I, I think I put my best effort in every day and it's going to pay off in the long run just the amount of uh, you know knowledge I gained and on-court experience I got and Baylor was great because they gave me a lot of freedom um, to do, you know, things that I never would have been doing if I wasn't a GA. So they gave me my first real coaching voice, and I'm really grateful for my two years. Yeah, it's a great staff that you were a part of down there. I know John Jacobs was at Gonzaga for a few years, which is kind of how you got connected to Baylor. Scott Drew comes from a phenomenal basketball family. Uh, Homer Drew, his dad, was a longtime Valparaiso coach, and Bryce Drew uh, – He's now at Grand Canyon after being at Valpo and uh, Vanderbilt. So you, you've had a great group around you to learn from these first two years. I want to ask this next question of both of you, and I'm going to let Bill go first. And this might uh, – it, it might tick Rem off a little bit. We'll see. Baylor and Gonzaga both were having phenomenal seasons this year. Some might say they were kind of poised to meet deep in the NCAA tournament, maybe in a Final Four or a title game. Who was going to win that game? We'll start with Bill. I always believe of uh, being Greek and Italian descent that uh, blood's thicker than mud. So I would have thought that Baylor would have been, they would have uh, taken them. Interesting. Good to hear. Rem, 
Thank you. I, I guess I need to ask Rem why. Give us the scouting report of why, Rem. Uh, you know, once you leave Gonzaga, you don't stop watching games, that's for sure. Uh, so I watched almost every Zag game I could. Um, and obviously they were really, really good. I think they were Final Four National Championship caliber team. But, uh, you know, I just loved our team at Baylor. I loved uh, our defensive mindset. You know, guys really bought into defense first. And then, uh, you know, the offense kind of followed. But I just can't pick against my guys. You know, I spent two years every day uh, going to war with them, so to speak. And, uh, you know, our defense was one of the best in the country all year. Um, and our offense wasn't far behind it. Well, I love the loyalty that uh, Dad Bill showed to Rem and his current program. And, and Rem, that was about as politically correct of answer as I could have expected or hoped for. Um, you know, next next stop in your coaching career, hopefully I've got the opportunity to ask you that same question, which means your team uh, would be having a tremendous amount of success. Last question um, before I let both of you guys go, since – I think I saw on social media that, uh, Bill, you made Rem uh, stack some firewood last week. So I'm sure there's more chores around the house. Um, oh, yeah. Has to earn his keep around here. <laughs> Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, advice for any other dads or sons that are in a father-son coaching relationship. Um, what would that be from both of you guys to anybody out there listening? You want to go or you want me to, is that for me, Dan? You can go first. You know, I think about this, uh, you know, Matt Gruller and Kyle, Joe Kinch and Emmett, uh, Chris White and his son, Roger DeBoer and his boy. Um, I would just say, yeah, as, as a father, um, not to treat your son any differently, and I don't think I ever did. Um, in fact, I, my expectations were as high for any player on my program. Uh, just keep in mind there's going to be a little more passion involved because you're in the house with that person. Uh, you know, you're living your daily life with them. Um, and probably more than anything from a coaching standpoint, is just enjoy it. Um, like I said earlier, it was a, those four years were the best four years of my life in coaching, uh, whether it be wins, losses, whatever. Just the fact that you see your get to be around your son every day at practice and watching him, uh, you know, become a a better basketball player and, and a better person and learn the life skills that they're learning. Uh, crazy uh, joy to me. Those are just, those are the best years of, of my coaching career by far. That's awesome. How about you, Rum? Yeah. I mean, he nailed it, but just enjoy it as much as you can, you know, even through the tough times, you're still spending it with, uh, with your dad. And it's such a, you know, unique opportunity. Not everybody gets that chance. And, to, to be under somebody who truly cares about every person on the team and uh, how he runs his program and the culture of the program. Uh, you know, the wins and losses were always fun, but it's always, you know, more of a, a joy to me when I get back together with my old friends uh, who played and we share stories. And, you know, there's always former Monarchs <laughs> stopping by the house, uh, you know, wanting to talk to my dad. So he, he set a great example for me and all my uh, teammates and, uh, we're really grateful for that, but just enjoy it. High school is one of the best times of your life. You know, high school and college, those are great years. And, uh, you know, from the bus rides to the team camps to the, you know, Gonzaga summer dorms and they're hot, all that stuff, you know, 
you look back and you just wish you could live another week in it. So enjoy it as much as you can. Well, guys, I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for the time. Stay healthy, stay safe in the Longview area. And uh, I wish the Monarchs continued success. And Rem, I know uh, once everything's opening back up with college basketball hirings, I'm looking forward to figuring out and hearing where you're going to be at next year because I'm sure you're going to have a big impact on whatever program you land with. So I appreciate it. Thank you guys a lot for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.